Welcome to episode three of Kellen's Petty Talk Show. As always, this episode is sponsored by the Almighty Pie Bake Shop. Delicious pies baked daily and delivered fresh to your door. If you live in L.A. and are looking to curb your crack addiction, these pies will certainly do the trick. Just call 818-986-1441. That's 818-986-1441. Or follow them on Instagram at Pie Bake Shop. That's P-I Bake Shop. P-I. Today on the show, we got a few of my good friends, Michael J. Epstein and his old Dutch, Sophia Cassiola. These two have taken over L.A. and are known for directing some of the wildest films to grace the film festival circuit, including Clickbait, Blood of the Tribids, and the upcoming monstrosity known as The Once and Future Smash. We're also joined by documentary filmmaker, director, producer, John Campopiano. God, I hope I'm saying that right. Who brought us unearthed and untold the path to Pet Cemetery and the upcoming Pennywise documentary based on the making of the highly regarded cult classic TV miniseries It with Tim Curry. All right, how you doing, guys? Good. Doing well. All right, cool. Let's just like hop into this. So, basically, I just saw your your Pet Cemetery documentary for the second time last night, and I gotta say that thing is amazing. Oh, thanks, man. Seriously. I'm a big fan of the original movie, so not that remake, obviously, but uh, yeah, the original is a serious classic. So how did that get started? Um, well, I've, I've always been interested in like filming locations and seeing places where films that I grew up with or that I love were shot, and so I went up to Maine with a buddy to find them, um, and we started making regular trips and, you know, eventually started talking to locals and um, they would have stories to share. And, oh, you know, if you're interested in the film, you should talk to this person. Mm -hmm. They were an extra or they worked on the crew or whatever it was. And um, so it was never the plan to make a documentary. We were just going up there as fans and yeah. wanted to see where it was shot. And like six months in or nine months in, we realized that like we were starting to amass like content and stories and and thought maybe we would put something together at first we thought maybe like a video for YouTube or maybe even a book about the movie and then um, realize that maybe a film, a documentary film was the way to go. And so mm -hmm. that's how, yeah, that's how it happened. Was anybody in that cast kind of hard to get or did anybody say no? Um, there were a lot of people that were hard to get just because we hadn't ever done anything. I mean, I, yeah. I have a memory of like starting to cut things and, and the guy I worked with on it, Justin White, you know, he said, well, what, what should this person's lower third be? And I didn't even know what a lower third was. And because I mean, film is not my background. And, and so I was really green. And so I think because we didn't have anything else to point to any other work, um, I think a lot of people were skeptical and maybe didn't want to give us the time. But as we started getting more people, um, then they felt confident. Maybe they could talk to us. And it was sort of like a domino effect. We got one person and, you know, we had to get Brad Greenquist to get Denise Crosby. And once we got Denise Crosby, we got Mary Lambert. And, and um, the the hardest ones were the twins, the the really? young girl. Yeah, because they just are not in the business really anymore. And I think that they were just skeptical. And I think they said no for like a few years. And then by the time we were like almost finished cutting, we I, I said, well, I'll try one more time. And it, then it became, well, you have everybody but us. And then they felt like, oh, well, you know, then they felt left out and were eager to do it. So, you know. There were bumps and there were, you know, different people were harder to get at certain times, but, um, yeah, but it mostly worked out. Yeah. What about Stephen King? Did you try to get him like for a oh, definitely. interview? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not known for doing these kinds of things and, yeah. um, it, there's a long story there, but we almost got him and it, it fell through. Um, but we, we yeah. would have loved to have had him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. He still lives in that, that house, right? The main, the one with yeah, the, up in the, Bangor. The bath yeah. on the, 
Yeah. That's one of his houses. Yeah. Oh, he's got multiple. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Around Maine and other states. So, yeah. What were your thoughts on that remake? Sorry, say again. What were your thoughts on that remake? Um, well, you know, I had a good time seeing it. Um, yeah. Uh, my wife and I got to go to a premiere of it, which was really fun. And, and there were parts of it that I really liked. It was shot beautifully. Yeah. Um, I thought it was scored beautifully. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to rank films that you grew up with against a reinterpretation it is, of it. Yeah. And I always think of, you know, Stephen King remakes as reinterpretations because yeah. so often the source content is so extensive and rich that, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I, I had, a, I had a good time seeing it. It was fine. Yeah. I like the one part with the, uh, when she's going in the medicine cabinet and then she looks up, it's like an elevator shaft or whatever that was. Yeah. And then Zelda. the girl comes yeah. flying down. <laughs> yeah. That scared the shit out of me. Um, but yeah, I heard, I think both films had trouble with the cats. I think both films, the original and the remake, both had trouble with training the cats or getting them to do what they wanted. At least that's what I heard. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the original, no doubt. I mean, you can't really train cats and that's why we love cats because it's on their time. And so they're going to do what they want to do and you can try to motivate them, but you know. Did you try to get any interviews with the cats? We did. And like at this point, like we just couldn't get them to rent (laughs) tape, honestly. Like no, no, they're agents and things. It just, we couldn't get to them. Um, (laughs) Must be old. Or I think they're probably longer. Long yeah, no, they're all dead. <laughs> 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 the premiere, though, right? And then it died like oh, a year later. And it died. Oh, it, it died. Did, yeah. Literally. Yeah. It died right after the That's premiere, sad. I think. Yeah. That's Sorry for bringing this whole thing down. Yeah. Really. yeah. Bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask a question? Wow. Yeah, you can ask questions the whole time. How did, man. How did you uh, end up getting access to all the like archival stuff as well? Did, did, like, Mary Lambert give you... Because I know you had a bunch of stuff that was... Uh... Yeah, the behind-the-scenes stuff. That, that was all local local main people. Um, there were, you know, a lot of people were showing up to the set. And, you know, in that part of Maine, especially at that point, I mean, there had been no Stephen King films shot in Maine, I think, at that point. They were all set in Maine. But, you know, if you're from New England and you watch Cujo, right, or Salem's Lot, it's like, you're not in Maine. Um, and so... I think it was a big deal to have a production there. And so everybody came out with their camcorders and their, and their cameras and stuff. And so all that, most of all that stuff was from the locals that would show up. We had a few kind of town halls with the local historical society and we would just show up and talk about the project and people would just kind of funnel in and share their stories. And a few people showed up with like VHS tapes and they, you know, humble Maine, like, I'm not sure if you're interested in this, but it's like, um, yeah, we're interested. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. So, the, I can't remember what she said, but the girl that owns the real pet cemetery—that's a a mile or an hour from where it was shot. Probably like a half an hour, give or take. Half an hour. Yeah, it's in uh, a town called Orrington, Maine. Okay. Um, like the real spot where she. Yeah. Yeah. And she had like a neighbor or something that brought her the sign with the misspelled cemetery word. Yeah, she right? made that with her with her brother and I think her sister. Yeah. And they set that up. Yeah, that's crazy. And she still has it, which is kind of wild. Did you get you got to see that? Obviously, the yeah, it's like it's like right behind her in the in the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like off to her her right. Yeah, well, that's cool. Well, Mike and Sophia, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I've seen I've seen Clickbait and in Blood sure. of the Tribids. Uh, we are uh, we just got a dog. That's the most important <laughs> the most important yeah. thing going on in our lives right now is that we just got a dog named What's King Ghidorah. Great time, uh, 
I guess yeah, we right. I guess we make movies in theory though. I'm not sure that that's ever happening again. <laughs> um, no, we've made a we made uh, four feature films that are, that, that are out, and then we've got two two narrative ish features and one straight documentary. I guess one of the narrative ish is semi documentary as well. Mockumentary. Mockumentary. Um, so I've seen clip clickbait and blood of the trivids. What are the other two right, that are um, they're out? So, our first film was called 10 and I like 10, to refer okay. to it as our film school because we also did not have a background in film until we just were like, we're going to do this because we're DIYers <laughs> and, uh, and we so, still don't have a background in film. So. No, well now our background in film is like 10 years of doing films, but, um, we just like rented a mansion in Rhode Island and brought 17 friends that were the cast and crew. And we made a ridiculous, like Agatha Christie esque horror film. So that was 10, and it did well enough that we're like, let's do this again. And so we made Magnetic, which is a very cerebral sci-fi time loop with one person, starring one person. And so that came out right after 10, and then we went into Blood of the Tribbids, which is like our biggest cast to date and probably our only movie that's going to have like 35 people in it well, <laughs> at this point because of the pandemic. We're never allowed to do that again. <laughs> Once in Future Smash, which is what you were referring to, it's a sort of mockumentary. We shot a lot of it. That's that'll be out. Yeah, that's our new one. That'll be out some century in the future when we can actually film again, because yeah. uh, we have about half of it shot. Um, but a lot of it we shot at the Mad Monster Party in North Carolina, the convention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there were many, many hundreds, if not thousands, of people. But they're uh, not like officially in the A lot of them are in it. I mean, a lot of no, them are officially. We do yeah, have yeah, like yeah. a couple hundred releases. We have a lot of releases. <laughs> <laughs> I told people to write down like what the people were yeah. wearing or take a oh, photo yeah. with them and their name, and that just like went out the it window immediately. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I hope we yeah. sort of you a I'm the one with the thing t shirt. Uh, you'll yeah. see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the one dressed as Michael Myers, and it's like, okay, that's everybody. Yeah. And <laughs> we probably can't use it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> The goal was to take photos, but we didn't. Yeah, it didn't, no. it didn't quite so out. yeah, so when we'll have a million people in it, but um, you got well, some we, known names in there, right? Like Mark Patton. Yeah, he did a cameo for it. He, he did came a cameo. to our apartment, and we shot him, and then we took him out to lunch. It was great. That's yeah, Mark, and that Patton, was that. Yeah, uh, he was in town because he lives in Mexico, um, and yeah. I've I've always been a huge uh, Nightmare Two fan. It was Nightmare Two is probably, I I'm pretty positive it was the first, like not universal horror movie that I ever saw. And I remember watching it um, at a party uh, in, I, I was like friends with a group of people in elementary school who would have like weird birthday parties where we'd kind of do things we weren't really supposed to be doing uh, of a variety of, of types. And um, one of them was that they would, you know, rent movies that we weren't really allowed to watch. And um, so they pulled out Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I was already, like, really afraid of, like, Freddy and Jason and, and uh, Michael Myers at that point. So I really didn't want to watch the movie. Like, really, really didn't want to see it. So I, like, watched it in the corner, like, not really looking and whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing gestures that you can't hear on a podcast, but you can imagine that I'm covering my face and, and doing things. Um, so it was really a big deal. Uh, that movie was a really big, big influential movie to me because it, by the time I got to the end of it, I realized like I was kind of like afraid to watch it, but then I got through it and really like loved the experience of watching it, and it made me like really want to watch more horror movies. So, in a way, it was really special to get to get Mark Patton, who was just in town uh, promoting his documentary, which I know you, I know Kellen, you've seen because you were at the screening with me. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, Scream, docs, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's called. Uh, very cool doc. Yeah, very, very excellent doc. Kind and, of about how it ruined his life and then later came around to being a thing that he appreciates having had in his life. So it's a fascinating yes. ride through the 80s and 90s. Very emotionally driven. Yeah. Sure. Um, so it's really cool to get him. And uh, he, he, basically the premise of Once in Future Smash is that it's a mockumentary about the two guys who played this character Smash Mouth in the uh, 1970 movie End Zone 2. And End Zone 2 is a really influential movie to a lot of horror icons and horror people, um, but it never really got proper release, and so nobody's really, you know, not many people have seen it now. But we have a lot of the kind of horror icons talking about how important it was to them. So Mark did a little bit uh, talking about his experience with, with End Zone 2. So that was really cool. And I should say, like, um, Very cool. it's a co-production between us and our friend Neil Jones, who runs the Without Your Head podcast. And so he knows a lot of these people. Like, he knows Mark and set that whole interview up. Um, so that's kind of how we got access to certain people through the convention scene is because he's been going to these mm -hmm. conventions for, like, 10 years or whatever. So he's been really great as far as yeah. that aspect. Yeah, we Tell saw Mark about... was going to be in town, and we're like, Neil, send Mark send a message. And, and uh, <laughs> he would, I don't think, I mean, maybe he would have done it for us, but, you know, we don't know him at all. He'd be like, who, who are you? Uh, but once Neil vouched for us, he, I think Neil must have told him we were. We probably wouldn't hurt him. He also got a ride to the, from the airport. Yes. <laughs> He's like, if they pick us up at the airport, I'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, we will pick you up like, at the airport. Right. And that was back when we had traffic, so yeah. it was a bigger deal. Yeah. <laughs> now the airport's like five minutes away. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> How hard was it to do this this film at this convention? Though? It was that must terrible. Have been it was the worst thing I ever. Yeah. Um, and also great. Like they gave us free reign of the convention. Eben, who runs Mad okay. Monster Party, was like, "Do whatever you want." And so all the security and everybody knew we were there doing this. So that was fine. But we definitely needed a couple more crew, uh, as always. But we were already too big because we just had a table on the mm -hmm. floor with um, the two guys signing and talking to fans. So it was definitely very difficult, but it was only three days, right? Three, three and a half days. Yeah, yeah. So it was went by fast, and that was probably like 60% of the movie took place there. Yeah. And then the rest is yeah. going to be interviews and cameos. And we miraculously shot, managed to shoot all the scenes that were, you know, supposed to be done yeah. there. Um, Part we... of the issue is that our actors are a little older, and so we couldn't yeah. work them 16 hours a day. We could only work them like eight hours a day. So like normal people. Like, <laughs> who are these people that only work eight hours out of a day? But, um, you know, so that definitely made it a little bit more... I mean, it's a documentary, basically. I mean, it's a scripted doc, I guess. <laughs> but it was shot that way, so it definitely was fast. And uh, Sean Clark was a part of it. Was he putting on Mad Monster? Or was he like one of the people doing it? He he's a um, he manages many of the guests who are there. So I'm I'm not sure his exact affiliation oh, okay. with the convention, but he works closely with them to help them yeah. get the guests. So he I, I don't know he I think he does the appearance booking for like probably eighty or ninety percent of the people who are there. Um, yeah yeah yeah. And so he I I had not met him prior to that really, uh, but Neil knew him a bit. And um, Neil kind of talked to him about whether we could approach some of the people who were there, and Sean was like, it's cool, you know, no problem. And, um, yeah. and then he said he would be interested in doing a little, a little kind of part in the movie, so we, we um, took advantage of that. We had Sean play uh, a, 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 a kind of a 
douchebag director guy. And a historical. Yeah, he was telling us about it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and he did. A, I think he did a great job. I know you were saying he he said he he found it. He struggled a little bit yeah. or something, but he. Well, it's hard because we're planning to like. Yeah, but he's too hard on himself. No, he I'm did sure. a great job. Sure. He was funny. He was very good. We're he, planning to have yeah. kind of these surrealist like. Um, flashback scenes and stuff so his scene we're planning to rotoscope so not just, all of it though not yeah all. We're part of it so like we just shot it in the middle of the floor and we're like so there was no context for him really as far as like what was happening i was like don't worry about what's around you <laughs> but he did a great job so you know once it comes together everything's gonna be great making documentaries no. <laughs> hell yeah we thought now, that john. Was a idea. <laughs> john i got a question for you so tell, actually, just tell us about this new Jaws thing you're doing, because that's incredible. Oh, well, I, I had a couple of friends and I, we were trying to figure out something creative that we could throw ourselves into, you know, while we're all sort of locked away. And I've been yeah. working with a colleague for a couple of years. Um, we're still very much in pre-production um, on a kind of a docu-series, docu-drama series called Making the Monster, which is about the making of Jaws on Martha's Vineyard. And so we've been kind of steeped in Jaws for a while, and um, we thought it'd be fun, again, going back to filming locations and being something I'm interested in, uh, we thought it could be fun to use Google Earth technology and make like an interactive 3D map of all the locations so that people can, you know, either they can visit Amity Island now, right, while we're all locked mm -hmm. away, and when they eventually get back to traveling and go to Martha's Vineyard, they could find all the, not just filming locations, but production sites too, so kind of just snowballed and now we've got like 80 things mapped on the on there now and um from jaws 2 and jaws 4 as well so for better for oh really i didn't even know that you had the other ones that's crazy yeah so have people have people gone out and taken pictures already since you posted this no because I, nobody's going out and doing <laughs> anything yeah I, I don't even know how it is out in boston but yeah it's locked down yeah we're, we're pretty locked, yeah, locked down. down boston still is like seeing a, a huge surge in numbers and um, yeah. especially like the, the island communities are very protective. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay. And the ferries are struggling too, actually. There's some troubling yeah. news coming out about the, the ferries. So, so yeah, nobody's taking advantage of it in the sense of like going out into the wild and actually finding these spots. But hopefully that yeah. will, you know, be the case. When you can start. I heard the mayor of Martha's Vineyard uh, said everything was fine and the beaches should reopen. I've, I've heard that too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. That's my favorite meme is that he's still the mayor. Yeah. Why is it important to vote? He's yeah. still the mayor in Jaws 2. Well, the funny thing about that is like in Jaws, the original director of Jaws 2 was John Hancock, right? Let's scare Jessica to death. And um, he yeah, came yeah. on and they began production of Jaws 2 and Universal Studios like figured out pretty quick that like this was not the sequel they wanted. It was like the, the whole like the angle of Jaws 2 in that in his script was that Amity is like depleted. The businesses are boarded up and like, it's a ghost town because they can't attract tourists. Right. And so they went a different direction, obviously, but we were talking to somebody on the Island yesterday, actually. And, and he was saying that like, it may actually look a little bit like John Hancock's jaws too, eventually, because like, you know, a lot of the people on the Island, like they make their year round money in like three months. And yeah. so with nobody visiting, um, you know, it's going to be pretty dire for a lot of those people. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you uh, read the conspiracy theory about how, like, the Zodiac Killer was one of the extras for Jaws? What? Yes. And, what? like, maybe one of the women. No, like, I love weird conspiracy theories. I think I saw Joe Hill or, like, one of Stephen. <laughs> Joe Hill wrote That's it, how right? I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, like, a 20-page paper, and they had, like, photos of this random extra that they, like. It has a bandana, to... right? It was all about the bandana. Right. It was yeah. all about the bandana because one of his victims had the bandana. I don't know. Yeah. He has it all 
mapped out, crazy, yeah. fascinating. <laughs> and has some level of credence because it's like Stephen King's kid. Right. So when you finish, like he had anything to do with Jaws, you know? <laughs> right? But it's like, no, I believe this. Well, when you finish your Jaws project, maybe you can map out the Zodiac Killer Jaws. Like, Here we go. <laughs> I just picked him. I, so random. I, I forget which serial killer it was exactly. I'd have to reread it. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was. A, yeah. It was one of the major ones. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. So I saw I saw Kirk Kirk Hammett from Metallica just reposted it today. Or is that yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's I guess he's a Jaws fan. Yeah, everybody, you know. Yeah, he saw his Jaws, uh, Jaws location. That's so sick. I mean, we I think... saw Jaws. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say the last time we saw Jaws was last July. I think it was July 5th. And uh, we we saw it in the in the Egyptian theater here. Oh, nice. And uh, right in the middle of it, I was like, "Wow, I'm starting to get a little motion sick." And then we realized we were having this massive earthquake, the biggest earthquake that's Whoa. happened in like 20 years, um, <laughs> which during Jaws is an interesting time weird. to have that, have that happen. Yeah. Um, so now I forever associate big earthquakes with, yeah. with Jaws. It was weird too, because like, you know, people's like emergency response is to start running out of the doors. And I'm like, with earthquakes, I'm like, just wait 30 seconds and see if you're dead. Because like, yeah. there's no reason to run outside. Like that's dangerous. And so people were like yeah, yelling the, at the The earthquakes outside too. <laughs> They had to pause the movie to like let everybody decompress. It was a really yeah, wow. weird experience, but the movie was great. It was like people running out of the water when there's a shark. Yeah. Right? Anyway, sorry. You the, uh, my, my dumb no, it's cool, man. No. no, the project's done. The map is out there in the world, so check it out. I don't know. It was a fun. It was were a fun thing the, to uh, jump into. Yeah. Were you at the Jaws 3D screening? Any of you guys? The one that was at the Egyptian? We, we were. were. I was there too. The me- the megathon with that yeah. terrible shark movie, The Meg. I didn't hate The Meg. It's okay. Oh, I hated it. Was, it. it I don't know. Great. That's me. It wasn't great. I, I hated that fucking movie. No deep, I, it's no deep blue too. I'll say that. That was also part no, of that series. That was also that was there. That was, really? the, that was the third one. The most yeah. the most thrilling part of that whole thing was that Leah Thompson showed up to talk about Jaws three. Like she wasn't so embarrassed, embarrassed about it that she was willing yeah. to come and like talk extensively about it. And we've, we've worked a little bit. It's not our project, but we we shot a day and we're supposed to do a little more if, if, if life ever resumes on a Howard the Duck documentary. Oh, cool. And, what? Uh, and they were like, oh, we're trying to get Leah Thompson. I'm like, you know, she showed up for a Jaws 3 screening. I think she'll come talk about Howard the Duck. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I like Jaws 3. I don't know. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I, I, th- I don't know. It's just, it's just fun. It's bad, but it's fun to me. I don't know. I don't like Jaws 4 that much. I thought the 3D would be cool because it was the first time I'd seen it in like proper 3D. It was like real projection using the technology mm-hmm. that the original, right. you know, the original tech for for uh, an original yeah. print, I think, or or a, you know, an old proper properly struck print. And um, it did not help the movie. <laughs> it was yeah. no Amity 3D, which was help. amazing. <laughs> no, no, no. Friday, Friday the 13th in 3D. Yeah, Friday the 13th. We did watch that too. They had a lot of broomsticks going in your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the best. I think, sorry, this is way off topic now, but the best 3D movie actually in the, in our House of Wax. Our, well, we didn't see that. I heard that was really the screening that was really good. So good. We saw the uh, the best. It was a double feature of Metal Storm, the destruction yeah. of Jared, Jared Sin. And, oh hell yeah! Which, which, which features which features no Metal Storm and not the destruction <laughs> of Jared Sin. Uh, but that was a double with Rottweiler, which wow. is. Oh yeah, I remember this incredible. actually. Now. Also known as Dogs of Hell, I believe. That's yeah, Dogs um, of Hell. That has the best trailer ever. That's the best trailer. That's the best trailer. <laughs> They're like, 
They say Rockman like 45 times. They, they yeah. do, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Incredible. You should include that in the in this podcast yes. at this point. I'm going to do that. <laughs> they say the, the Rottweiler dates back to the time of Christ. <laughs> when was that When was that trailer playing? Because we were it was at the it was Egyptian. The but... It was at the New Bev. No, no, no. no. They had a whole 3D series at the Egyptian because it was part of the LACMA was having a 3D. Oh, yeah, okay. And so they had like a week and a half of like they had changed the screen out to have a special, like, more reflective screen for the 3D projections, yeah. and they put in new projectors. They did, like, a whole elaborate thing. So we went to as many of those yeah, as we, we could. They were fun. Um, and it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Sorry, we're, we're way off topic, but I just, I'll never, any opportunity no. to talk about Metal Storm, the destruction of Jensen, <laughs> I will, I will hop right on it. Yes. I literally, I miss going to the Egyptian so much. Yeah. That and New Bev, two, two favorite cinemas here. Sucks. I will say in defense well, of Jaws 3, just to, I'll, I'll bring it back to Jaws. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I didn't hate it. I love I love the McCorkendale death, and I remember talking to Joe uh, Alves about that they wanted to do that for the first Jaws, where you're in the mm-hmm. the shark's mouth, like the POV uh, of the. I think that's kind of a rad yeah. shot, and I, they wanted to do that in the first Jaws, but they didn't have the budget or the time or both or whatever. Um, yeah. So that's my two cents. I'll give you that. All right, sweet. We I will be right that. back. This is our lips are sealed by the Go Go's.
We are back. Welcome. So I want to know a little bit about this whole Jimmy Eat World music video business, because that is another cool thing that happened with you guys last year. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's a, a Boston connection, actually. A friend of ours, Mike Gill, who used to live in Boston with us, not with us, but also <laughs> in a city of three million with us, <laughs> um, moved out to LA around the same time as we did, and he had worked with Jimmy Eat World before. Exactly I think he, he was in a band called The Damn Personals, and I think they had toured or played shows together. I don't, I'm not sure he had done video work, but he knew sure. he, he knew uh, Jim Atkins for, for a bit. Um, so Jim reached out to Mike to see if he would do a video for their new record, and he had this crazy concept that maybe the label wasn't totally on board with, and so he was just going to do it himself. And so Mike called us up, and he had the whole thing pretty much pre-visualized, and they had this crazy concept for minions and galactic overlords. And so Mike and I were just the crew of it, basically. Um, so just making sure the lighting and the green screen work and the camera work was all what they needed to get it exactly how he had it pre-vised. And I think um, it, it's, it's sort of an interesting story, because it's like the label wanted to do videos for two of the songs on the record, and uh, I think Jim was really adamant about doing this one, which is a really weird, if you're, if you listen to Jimmy World, the song is really, it's called 555, five, it's really different. It's an awesome song. Uh, I know, yeah, I like it a lot, but it's really different than their it. other stuff. And so the label was like, we, we're not, not doing a video single. for this thing. Yeah, yeah that's not, not it. And so he had to kind of like, I think he put up his own money and kind of did it on his own. Um, and um, it ended up surpassing the other two videos like by, you know, oh, yeah. tenfold in terms and of views. And the fans were like, are yeah. you going to show up, like, like, you know, is this playing a new like look? this? Is this a new look? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it just triggered them all so much that it was hilarious. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was hilarious. But that's the comments on the video are great. For Halloween. And that yeah, a bunch was, like, of them did. The yeah. greatest thing ever. Yeah. Somebody with, like, their grandpa dressed up as, like, a minion and yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. It was great. There's so. a t-shirt of the video uh, uh, characters I, now and stuff. Like, so it, it caught on. Really? Below. It was pr pretty cool to be part of that. I mean, we, we were really just the tech the tech crew, but we uh, we had fun being part of it. So cool. Now you you've been reading the the comments though on the YouTube. Oh video, yeah, right? yeah, I mean I haven't looked that recently, but there were uh, a lot of really fun comments. Some of them were like, "Has Jimmy Eat World gone satanic? Are they are they? <laughs> you know, they really get into the the weird, weird conspiracy stuff." But uh, mostly it was people who who were like, "This is really weird. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, but I love it anyway." Yeah. So that was cool. I'm looking at comments right now. Jimmy Eat World is now officially canon in the Dune universe. Yeah, that's, I think we're. He, I think Jim was going for a kind of a Dune character look for the. We lost King Ghidorah. Our our uh, new our new doggy ran away. So oh, no. but, uh, they rented a chair from like a props house, and then Mike's Mike Gill, who directed it, uh, saw it on the Orville. Yeah, <laughs> which is like hilarious. It's like just a chair that goes out to all the sci-fi shows. The chair was originally from Starship Troopers. Yeah. It was made for Starship Troopers. <laughs> and um, then it was in this prop house, and then it was on the Orville, and now the prop house went out of business. So yeah. 
We don't know where the chair is, and I feel sad that we didn't buy it, except that it weighed like 500 pounds. So. It was. It had its own U-Haul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you and I, we, we directed a video for and shot a video for Dag Ferch from uh, Halloween 2007. Yeah. For uh, Hot as Fuck. <laughs> and we did indeed. Uh, that, that, that was, was a fun time. That was time. a good experience. That was a fun time. Yeah. And we got kicked out of the uh, Mission Beach Pier. Yeah. Well, I remember. Yeah. I think it was Dig was like, "Oh, let's go shoot at the at the uh, pier, you know, in the in the carnival part." And I was like, "You yeah. know, we're gonna last like all of twenty seconds before they like <laughs> arrest us or something." I'm like, "I don't care. I'll do it." But you know, we're not gonna. This is not gonna go well. Um, and I think we tried to get set up, and when the cameras got lifted, and when those cameras went up, I think we were swarmed by the security in like ten seconds. So. Guerrilla filmmaking yeah. at its finest. It's all right. Did did we get did we get any good shots there though? I thought we got like one. Did did like one shot get? I don't think so. What? No, I can't remember. What's the doggy doing? Oh, dust. the dog is trying to eat dust, so we're feeding him some treats. Oh, don't dust let him treats. do that. Dust treats. His new, his new name's Dusty. All right. So, what have you guys been watching during quarantine? Anything good? Godzilla. Only Godzilla. Godzilla, nice. <laughs> really? I honestly had not been, not that I'm not a fan of Godzilla, but I just never watched a lot of them. And so it's been yeah. a whole education for me, starting with like this, when they started in the, no, before the 60s. We started with those ones. 50s, yeah. 50s, yeah. Yeah, and so we're like halfway through those ones, and then we jumped ahead to some of the 90s ones, and we watched the Netflix animated series because we're, we had our free trial, a free quarantine trial yeah. on Netflix, and we're like, we need to watch this right now, That's even cool. though we're not in order anymore. Yeah. So we're all uh, out of order, but we're we, getting there. I mean, it's a good formula. I mean, it's a big monster and Asian people running. Yeah. You know, I like the ones time. that are about things, which is some of them are, are, some of them aren't. So I like the ones that are about <laughs> yeah. the environment or nuclear proliferation, like you know, the ones that have more of that stuff. I enjoy more. Yeah, I haven't seen too many of them. Just a couple. I think we're we've been through in just in the quarantine. I think we've seen like like, like something like eighteen Godzilla movies. Wow. And we've got another what sixteen or so to yeah, go. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of Godzilla. Didn't you just come off a binge of Nicolas Cage movies though? Well, Wait, uh, that's the other thing we've been watching is bad. I mean, <laughs> amazing Nicolas <laughs> Cage movies. <laughs> exactly. We didn't come off it. We're always on a binge. Yeah. Of yeah well, movies. of course. Right. What did you guys think of Color Out of Space? It's okay. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Like it definitely gets better. I feel like I've seen it three times, all in all in theaters. Um, and it's like a mixed bag, but yeah. I I didn't. His over the top acting is good. What have you been watching, John? Uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag to be honest. Um, the last like year or two, I've really kind of developed an interest in like Soviet fairy tale films from like the seventies and the eighties. And the more I've been reading about it, like the more I've been finding out that like they were really strict about horror films. So like there weren't any straight horror films made at that time, but there were a lot of like weird fantasy, um, like fairy tale films that were like made for kids, but that, you know, Uh had a darker tone to them. And um, they're really cool and really, really wild. Uh, There's one I can recommend called the Lilac Ball, which check it out. There are a lot of them are on YouTube, not all of them, but um, some of them I can't pronounce the names, but yeah. um, Mm It's just like a weird hodgepodge of stuff. I know people have been watching. Uh, uh, is it pronounced V? The one that because that got got a big reissue. Yeah, I haven't yeah, seen that, been, but oh, okay, yeah, we yeah. watched that pretty pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, I 
did. Yeah, because well, it was on Shutter, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, uh, I did enjoy most, uh, a lot of it. It's pretty weird, um, and I feel like it's. Well, you should see it. Yeah, if I'd like to check it out. Yeah. You're into that stuff. I think that's. I'm that's, exploring it. Yeah, I like a lot of family. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've also just been like watching like, stuff I haven't seen in a long, long, long time. Like sort of just like horror yeah. classics that like I've almost haven't seen in such a long time that I don't remember. Like the Changeling I watched recently. Oh, yeah. Like just stuff that's like, you know, great stuff that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, a lot of people think I'm crazy, but the only like classic horror movie I haven't seen that like kind of comes to mind is the Rosemary's Baby. Never seen it. Oh really? Yeah, that's like the only one though that I can think of. Well, that's a mistake on your part. We're all imperfect vessels. It's okay. I know. <laughs> I have it on. I have it on VHS. It's just one of those movies, you know, just kind of slips under and you don't get to it. But I'm gonna. Yeah, it's a, it, I want to get like a Blu-ray. It's a good one for sure. Yeah, I don't want to see it on VHS first. No, probably not. I know you hate VHS. You can't even stand DVDs. Oh me? Yeah. Uh, I have trouble watching stuff on DVD. It depends on what it is. I mean, we there's a lot of stuff that's only on DVD or VHS, and so we watch. Exactly. Yeah, we watch that, but um, we've been uh, one of the things that's been fun here is that um, Cinematic Void, who, which who puts on screenings uh, at often the Egyptian that we we keep talking uh-huh. about of like weirdo movies. It's kind of been one of my favorite things about uh, being here is like getting to see like thirty five millimeter screenings of movies that I thought like I was the only person who mm. would ever want to watch, and and then like <laughs> three hundred people show up to see it. So that's awesome, but. Um, yeah, uh, so they've much. been filling filling the space a little by putting together kind of like um, I guess you would call it they're they're calling it up all night but like with uh, commercial breaks like like um, thematically tied commercial breaks for movies that are basically not released in any form like they just did mm-hmm. this movie called Night of the Demon the other day which is not Night of the Demons uh, but a movie about Bigfoot. Oh, I've seen it. Um, yeah. Is that from the fifties? No, no, it was eight, early eighties, I think. Um, okay. Uh, and it's bananas. It, it's pretty. It's pretty weird. It's a pretty weird movie. Um, it has a Bigfoot rip a guy's junk off, which is pretty pretty cool. That's that's all I got. Really. <laughs> that's all you need. Doesn't she give birth to a Bigfoot? She well, there. Spoilers. 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 Uh-huh. I half watched it, <laughs> and I woke up during. <laughs> Spoilers, there's uh, there's some Bigfoot breeding that happens in it. Involuntary breeding. Involuntary <laughs> breeding. Yeah. It, Did you, uh... it, the movies are not, uh, they're, they're definitely, uh, I mean, I wouldn't even call them problematic because that's too generous, but they're, they're definitely something. So we've been watching a lot of nonsense like that. Good escapism for what we're going through. Yeah. Did you see The Lodge, John? I didn't see The Lodge, no. Oh, I really Did enjoyed you? that one probably my favorite one of last year. I don't have a good track record for like super recent movies to be honest with you. Um, No, yeah. Like when you had mentioned that earlier like kind of modern stuff that I've been watching and it's yeah. It's all over the place. Like I was really excited about Possum last year. I don't know if you saw it's a a British film. Really dark and like you know it's kind of got that cold British vibe to it. Um, But it was really cool and I don't know. Good Night Mommy was one that I loved from a few years ago. The Lodge is That's the same director. Same director. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. And I heard uh, VFW is really good. That's one of the only ones from Beyond Fest that I mm-hmm. didn't see, but I heard that one's really awesome. Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. Didn't you have like a Chucky marathon like a month ago? At the beginning of the year, we watched all the Child's Play movies. Um, 
And Thoughts. they held up. Uh, you know, I, I always... Well, actually, I should say, I had never seen past the third Child's Play movie. Um, oh, I didn't know that. And they all held up well, and I thought they were all really fun. It was a really good series. Um, so, yeah. Favorite and least favorite. Oh, it's tough. Cause, I like, like the John Waters one. The first one is the great. One? That's Seed. Seed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's sick. I, yeah, I, I mean, the first one is great, but it's like the first, you know, it's the, it's the classic, right? But um, other, after that, I would say we, I think we did like Seed best. Yeah. I personally think Curse is the worst, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, I really didn't like Curse. Curse What's like the, the Army Barracks one? Was that three? Three. Uh, that was three. three. That was three. It's a week. I remember not liking that as a kid. I remember liking two yeah. a lot as a kid. Two is, two is really good. I think when I was a kid, I liked it because it's like brighter in a way, right? It's like there's like yeah. more like day. I don't know. There's just like the more vibrant fun. colors when I was a kid that attracted me to that a little bit more. Like that school scene yeah. where he's in the closet. Like that's. It feels it feels like a bigger yeah. movie. Like the first one feels yeah. like a, like a low budget. Like the first one feels like an old like. I don't think it was shot in 16, but it feels like yeah. it's you know an old 16 mil like cheap movie. Super limited locations yeah. and just kind of yeah. tight little movie. Yeah. And it's good. It really works. And then the second one, I feel like they, they were like, well, we made a lot of money. Now we can make like a real movie, Yeah. Um, which is great, too. You know, I like it a lot as well, but it's a different kind of thing. They rely more on like the bigger set pieces and things yeah. than they do on the just making it a fun kind of, uh, you know, weird, weird thing. But um, but no, I really enjoyed the whole series. I thought it was all it was all really fun. And I know you uh, interviewed Clint Howard recently, but what was that for? Oh, we, again, we were just crew. Sometimes uh, a lot of our lives uh, are, um, in, we're involved with just working crew on other people's movies. Um, and this one, our okay. friend Dustin Ferguson was doing a documentary about straight to, uh, direct-to-video 90s movies. Um, okay. And it's not out yet. It's aired, it's like played a little bit, but it isn't quite out yet for public consumption, but it's called Direct-to-Video. Direct it's called Direct-to-Video. And um, so we shot almost all of the interviews for that uh, with him. Like, he conducted them, but we, we did all the camera and stuff. And um, so, yeah, we shot interviews with a whole bunch of really cool people, including Clint Howard, um, who was great. I mean, he was a hilarious dude. We went to his house. I won't he tell you where he lives. He has but... a collection of snow globes. He's a snow globist. Yes, it's I heard about that. I want to make a movie, a horror movie about Don't, him. don't give out the ideas. <laughs> with we... the snow globes. Yeah. He wanted to tell us about every single one, and we wanted it was to awesome. hear it. Yeah. But, like, it was just an amazing experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because you, John, you worked with Clint Howard as well. Oh, it's yeah. coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. Have yeah. you actually done it yet? Not yet. No, yeah. He's, he's yeah. going to voice, he's gonna voice a, a smoke detector. A smoke nice. detector <laughs> monster that I grew up, like, fearing. Uh, it's a little short <laughs> called Peep. Um but yeah, oh, so cool. we, I've been in touch with him for a while, and so I can relate to some of the yeah, the anecdotes and experiences. Hilarious. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Did you speak him? Yeah, go ahead. Keep, you can go ahead. Now you go. Ahead. I was just gonna say I don't know if you've seen his front door, but uh, he's got like a gun, like a gone fishing thing, but it's but it says gone ape shit. <laughs> um, and it's pretty. I thought that was a pretty Clint, pretty solid Clint Howard. My first moment of like. Seeing what Clint Howard is all about is a giant sign on his door that's like a gone fishing sign, but it says gone ape shit. Mm. He said he hung it after he got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have all seen Ice Cream Man, right? Oh, yeah. He said he would give 
class. Fifty dollars to anybody that could get through Ice Cream Man, and I'm still waiting. And we're like, yeah, we no problem. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, I'll, what? I'll watch it every day. On what format? Yeah. He thinks he's it's unwatchable, right? Yeah. Well, he. They, I, I have it on like every format. <laughs> I know that was. Yeah, they were working on it. Yeah, they were talking about it. Yeah, and we we were like, let, how can we help get involved in that? And do, you know, we were like, we should try to help you actually get that made. But I love wait the people. Uh, Ice Cream Man is fun, and I love like there's so many great uh, like small appearance like oh, cast God, appearances yeah. like uh, Olivia Hussey and I love Olivia Hussey. Jan Michael so Vincent, awesome. David Warner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an incredible cast yeah. for a movie like that. Yeah. It's so, got such a weird. Wasn't it made by like too. porn like, directors? It's yeah. just a weird visually. Like it's, I don't know. I, I really dig that film. Yeah. 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 Wasn't it directed by like a porn director at the time? Yeah. Yeah. He used to direct like, yeah, pornographic material. Yeah. The <laughs> <What a> shift. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, speaking of shorts, uh, I just saw Georgie the other day, and that was incredible. And that that's not out yet, right? Um, it's it's kind of. A little bit. I don't know. We, we never really, like, Floating. find out the... Uh, Fangoria has screened it a couple yeah. times online for us, and it's going to be on the Pennywise Blu-ray as a special oh, okay. feature. And um, Yeah, so it's it's around. I don't know. We didn't really have a, a clear plan for it. I didn't even notice while watching it. My roommate pointed out that uh, the guy that played Georgie is the original yeah. actor from the original. I had no idea. But that's... How'd you get him? Oh, boy. I'll condense the story and not put you guys to sleep. Um so Tony Dakota played Georgie in the miniseries and he was the hardest person for us to yeah. find. And the reason for that is that, um, number one, he, he has a different name. So typically with like child stars, they sort of protect. Yeah. Can you hear me? You're making weird movements. You good? Are oh, you good? No, okay, cool. Um, so he was hard for us to find because Tony Dakota is not his real name. And also, um, at the time, and we've run this by him, so he's cool with us talking about this. Um, he was in prison mm-hmm. serving time. And so he was very hard to find. And so the first, like, once I finally found him, we corresponded over letter, like written letter for, um, like six months or so. And part of that conversation was obviously he wanted to be a part of the documentary, but also, um, at one point I had said, would you like to get back into acting? Because when he was a kid, he was in like Harry Crumb with John Candy and he was in an episode of MacGyver and, you know, he was like acting a lot as a kid and then it just like dropped off. And so he said, yeah, I would love to get into acting, but I don't know, like, I wouldn't even know how to begin. I wouldn't know how to like even like enter that world at this point. And so, uh, Ryan Grulick, the director of Georgie, um, and I said, well, what if we wrote like a short film for him and he could, you know, reprise that role and we would make kind of like a fever dream. Like obviously it's very much like a surreal kind of fever dream short, but the goal was to raise some money to give to him, to help him, you know, give him a leg up and also to get a foot in the door, you know, maybe get back on sets and get, you know, back in the business in some capacity. So we wrote that little short for him and mm-hmm. that's, that's what Georgie became. Yeah. And he was in prison when you were yeah. talking to him? Yeah. That's how I found him. About? I wrote him a letter. Yeah, wow. I got it. An old, like an ex-girlfriend of his saw something that I had posted in like an old blog and she reached out and was like, oh, this is where he is. You should, you know. And so I just like, I wrote this letter to him uh, mm-hmm. not knowing if it would reach him. And like maybe three or four weeks later, I got a response. And then that became kind of like a like a pen pal situation. Uh-huh. And then how long until, it, until he got out? And like then another year. After that, did you? 
Sure. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. he got out and got acclimated and we, we did his interview and then I proposed this idea of like, That's do you want to do like a short film and you know, we'll put some money in your yeah. pocket. We did like a little crowdfund thing. We raised like five grand. It was like minuscule. Um, and a lot of that went to him and then the rest went to just making it. And, um, you know, we just wanted to get him something sort of positive to look forward to and do something creative. And if he was interested in getting into acting or getting back into that world in any way, let's like put him in front of the camera and, you know, and he was awesome. Mm-hmm. He was totally awesome. So, No, it was excellent. I'm definitely looking forward to checking that out again, actually. But um, I- I'm pretty good. Do you guys have anything else that you want to add? Anything you want to talk about? Things to promote? I'd like to hear when the, uh, what's, what's, uh, if, if you're not sick of talking about it, what the Pennywise uh, status is and, such yeah so the 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 film is like totally locked and we're at this point now just sort of like adding all the other bells and whistles to the dock um it's been a challenge because like Mm -hmm. we're all over the world basically you know the the editors are cutting it in the uk and i'm here you know in the boston area um and so it's been kind of slow moving and we all have full-time jobs and you know that whole excuse but it's true you know um so the goal is for it to be out this summer um, the 30th anniversary of the miniseries is in November, so we definitely want to have it out by then. Yeah. Um, but it's in good shape, and you know we're moving along with it. So, straight to Blu-ray, DVD, or going to be on the festival? All of the above, for a bit. yeah. Assuming festivals yeah. happen again, they will. Yeah, I don't know if there is, I don't know if there is a festival circuit for <laughs> not a while. for a while. But... Yeah, that's true. Probably not till 21. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, even right. Yeah. It's like. They're talking about canceling all the conventions in the fall. I mean, there's no way they're going to happen. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think you'll see a convention for at least a year and a half now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But it's coming along. Thanks for asking. Almost done. Yeah, cool. Nice. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Well, thank you guys so much. This was fun. thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I broke my. Yeah, uh, sure. I was refusing to do any video calls with anybody. <laughs> So you broke that. Uh, you look great though. And sorry, we were uh, we were a little distracted by know, this sorry. little dog, looked, dog guy, but he got like excited to eat all the dust, and so then I had to get him a treat. So yeah, I yeah. was a little distracted. Does he bark at all? Barely. He got mad at us last night because we put him in a crate, and then we tried uh-huh. to shut the door, and he started barking at us. But then we just left the door open, and he stayed in it all night. So and then he didn't bark. Yeah, he was, right, he was yeah. cool. He was like fine with the crate, but he just needed to feel. He I think not want to be you know, in, yeah. it was his first day coming home. I mean, he's a, he's an old guy. I I think um, so. He's eight. I I suspect he's never really had like a good living situation. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't really know. Yeah. Any, we know he was in shelters for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So recently. So. Um, and he's well behaved. It's not like he's a yeah. he's a bad bad behavior or anything. But I think he's just uh, he was a little bit scared coming home, being like, where am I? You know, what's yeah. going on? What's what well, am I doing now? The drive was like over an hour, like. Oh. Yeah, forty five minutes took a while. Hour, so he was like freaked out in the car. And mm-hmm. um, it took a while. And I was like, okay, you know, they kind of told us it could take you know a couple of weeks. It could take like two weeks to for him to really settle and get to know us and hang out. And like probably two hours into being here, he was pretty much. Well, he saw the couch and he was happy. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna lay on this couch and hang out <laughs> with you guys. We're good. So he's been he's been super good, and he just yeah. you go you bring him outside, he just runs around sniffing and peeing on everything, and he loves it and. uh yeah. And no, he's been super chill. He really has barely barked. He's really barely had I mean, he's very calm. Like he's not he doesn't snap at you or anything. You could you could pretty yeah. much not that I would do it, but you could probably like grab his face and do stuff. Yeah. They clipped his nails. He doesn't mind. He he lets everybody kind of yeah. 
manhandle. Kind of touch him and everything. He's pre he's you know he's an old guy, yeah. just kind of just kind of hanging. Nice. But I think you know now that he's not as afraid about what is going on, he's settled a little more. He kind of knows he's like okay, I guess I'm living here now. <laughs> um, he's been he's been a little more chill. But you know once in a while he gets like I think he's just got restless sitting here and wanted to kind of run around a little. So which is fine. We're yeah. we're not quite ready to let him like totally loose in the in the in the place just because. He hasn't done anything bad, but we're like, we just don't want to, you know, without yeah. without keeping an eye on him, we don't want him running loose yet, so. And you guys haven't left at all, right? Pretty much, except for... Uh, not he was in the, the dog, crate right? all morning by himself. Oh, during quarantine? Or just... During uh, quarantine, no, yeah. like when... Just the grocery store, that's it. It's the grocery yeah, store, like okay. Every two weeks we've been going to the grocery store, mostly trying to stay. So you guys, you guys don't do we, Instacart we or anything? quarantine to get the dog. Um, no, I want to, I got to sign up for it i don't know if it's like a total ripoff or not i mean i i shop for them like i do to try to make some money i do that sometimes um but i don't know how much it costs to like actually get it yeah yeah sure yeah so we'll see. how about you john what's that yeah we've done a little into the cart so my wife she's like a, a chef she does she writes cookbooks and so like she's trying to do oh that works. a lot of her stuff <laughs> at home and so the Instacart thing yeah. has been kind of just like a mixed bag you know like depending on like what you get or when you get yeah. it you know given what's going on it's um it's been an interesting thing. Yeah. I know. I heard people, a lot of people are uh, replacing items with like the complete wrong thing. Has that happened with you? A couple times. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, obnoxious. I yeah. I guess it's, I mean, you know, stuff is kind of hard to find sometimes. Well, yeah, the exact like, thing. Yeah. You know, there's no flour. There's no tofu. Like, yeah. There's like random staples that I get. Oh, no flour. Yeah. Exist right now. We had to get all of our pet stuff yeah. spontaneously too, because we were like bringing them home and uh, we had nothing. Because we didn't think mm. we were gonna come home with them that day. I don't think they normally do that, but mm. right now, because everything's such a mess, they're they're not doing home visits the way that they normally would. You know, they kind of check it out, but um, yeah. So you know, so it's been it's been a little mayhem trying to find everything for that, but mm. uh, but it's fine. It's all yeah. good. Well, Petco, because like they don't let you in the store at the yeah. Petco bias, so mm. you had to order online. Oh, they don't. And then like half the stuff they like just didn't have, and so mm. I was like, definitely, I got enough to survive on until Amazon comes through. Yeah, he doesn't care. And he really doesn't care. I got him all these toys, and he's like, "What is that?" Just make him a sandwich. He's easy. <laughs> yeah, he's like whatever. <laughs> He's like, I'm Put on Jaws 3, give me a sandwich, I'm good, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little dust smoothie. Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh I was at the Petco in Burbank just last week and some girl literally walked in without a mask on and like the employee had to like oh, chase yeah, her out. Yeah, of... And she was just like she was yelling back at him. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. And then went and then she's like she goes to like look at dog food, but she didn't even actually buy anything and then she just Yeah, left. I don't know why people can't just like cooperate yeah. it's like we're all in this whole it's mess of so thing you know stupid. i mean i know you know it's like yeah. everything is difficult and, and inconvenient but like just cooperate you know right. it's that's so true yeah anyway that's but yeah that's our that was interesting trying to go look at the dog and everybody they're sort of they have like rules about you know everybody has to wear a mask there and everybody has to stay apart and whatever but yeah it yeah, was yeah. sort of like you know is everybody not everybody is cooperating and doing what they're supposed to be doing and mm. But you know the dog need the dogs need to have somewhere to live. Still, it's not yeah. like they can. They're not just like well, we can sit on the shelf for the whole the next year while this is going on or something. So, okay. uh, and this and this guy, they this particular adoption agency has had him for over a month, 
and they were given him by another one who couldn't find placement for him. Oh man! So we really? were so we were like, uh, you know, they were very excited that we came to yeah. came to visit That's with cool. him, and they were like, we we'll show you other dogs if you really want, but we we just don't want to like get, show you a dog yeah. that you well, like. They better. had a chihuahua <laughs> that was like half his age and half his size. And she's like, I'm not going to yeah. show it to him to you until you make a decision on this dog. Because she really wanted yeah. me to take, him, take this one. But yeah, so. no, we felt good about taking the older guy who needed, you Definitely. know. Definitely. So he's not, he's not. Uh, and all... he's so lazy. I love it. Yeah. He's... Like, I'm not very energetic. Yeah. And so it's fine. <laughs> Once he gets outside, oh, yeah. he runs. He, like, we can't keep his, up with him. He goes twice the speed I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> But, so he cool. does that for an hour a day, and the rest of the day he just He's chills just like this. this you know? Nice. <laughs> so, that's that's cool. It's like a cat. But, yeah, it's our first. It's our first pet, actually. That we oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It only took fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> only took a pandemic. You've been married for fifteen yeah. years, or how, was that? How many? How many years have you guys been married? Thirteen. Uh, thirteen. Right. Okay. So this year is fourteen. Right? This it'll be fourteen in December. December yeah, yeah, it'll be fourteen. Yeah. Wow, that's thirteen crazy. and a half or whatever. Whatever the numbers are, yeah. And you guys used to be in bands together, right? And that's still, how you kind of I guess met. we still are. Are we? We haven't played much music, which is very depressing. And like in January, I was like, all right, yeah. I'm going to get a band. We like lived in LA a couple years. I'm going to get a band together. You got it. And this hits, though. And yeah. like, so nobody's going to play shows. Ah, I'm going to record some songs, but there's no plan for yeah, just... bandmates or playing shows. Just prepare for whenever that does happen, yeah. even if it's 10 yeah. years from now. I actually, a, a shockingly, uh, this isn't like a, a bragging, but this is just a funny thing that shockingly we've gotten several requests to do like live things. You know, everybody's kind of playing live on mm. the Zoom or whatever. So it's like, yeah. like, probably like five people have messaged me being like, "Can you? are you going to do a thing? You should do this. And I'm like, no, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't picked up a guitar in three years. I don't know any songs. We have plenty of time. We yeah, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to watch shitty Zoom videos. I don't want to watch shitty Zoom videos. Do. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I've never done one, but I'm curious. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to watch them. I don't want to. I don't want to play them. I don't want to watch them. <laughs> I don't want anything. Yeah. Even when it's like artists I really love, like um, the other day, the, this woman, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, who I really mm -hmm. like, did uh, like a live video so I was like oh I'll watch it and I watched through like one song and I'm just like ah it sounds shitty it looks shitty why yeah. why am I why am I watching this like yeah. whatever yeah. you know so I don't I don't know why people are I mean cool if people are interested that's great but I don't it's just not for me I'd rather just wait out the pandemic and then and then go back to you know normal consumption of entertainment are any of them charging right now for people to watch them or is it all free usually Some of them tips or charge. Yeah. yeah i've seen some venues do live like not not in the venues yeah. but they'll do like they'll organize a bunch of artists to do it and then and yeah. then use it to like raise money to pay the employees or like almost like charity but not I, you know i don't know that it's necessarily officially a charity but yeah effectively there's like good stop. cause money john what was your there's this before film sorry sorry to say that again no, you're so good, well, because you said film wasn't your background. What was your background before you got oh, into Oh, uh, ethnomusicology. That was like my thing. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. I, I figured you had a music background yeah, as well. Yeah, that's, where, that's yeah. where it came from. Yeah. That's hilarious. I find a lot of musicians really go into film eventually, and I think it works. Yeah. <laughs> like well, it's, it's yeah, it was a, it was a, yeah, totally. It was a funny transition of like, you know, doing ethno, and then I graduated in 2008 and was like, okay, great. Like, I've got an ethno degree. Like, what am I, you know? 
And I ended up working with this jazz musician in Boston. And then part of that gig was managing his archive, which I didn't know anything about, but like really turned me on to archives, which sent me to Simmons, which sent me to the Harvard Film Archive, which it's like, there's like a, when I think about it, you know, like there's a lineage that like, yeah. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I think we, we got all the way uh, to it through music videos pretty much because yeah. we were like, we got to make music videos. And then uh, we realized it was expensive to make music videos, so we better figure out how to shoot them on our own. And yeah. Somehow we're, we're foolish, foolishly engaged in this. I don't know. We, we never gave up. And you got the new Black Magic, right? Yeah. So how's that been going? Sitting box <laughs> um no good we've shot so we shot um, when you're the ones in yeah. future smash they're actually great for because we shot that docu style yeah. at the convention and they're uh-huh. small and so um that was great and they look great so we're very mm-hmm. happy with them uh, especially for stuff where you yeah. need to be compact so yeah we've shot a lot of stuff on the pockets actually, yeah, we actually um, even though we own we own an ursa which is a better camera but like mm-hmm. there have been so many scenarios where just shooting on the pockets yeah. makes more sense because it's just the the Profile small. Um, well, any time now that we need to be guerrilla filming, which is yeah. almost all the time, it makes sense to do it on the yeah. pocket. It's like to normal people, it just looks like a photo camera. So yeah. it definitely can fly under the radar in a way that my bigger cameras can't. Yeah, and it's pretty close. I mean, it's not quite the dynamic range of like the Ursa, but it's pretty pretty it's close. Pretty good. And it shoots really well in low light, and it just does a lot of really. Good. I mean, you, we we you know you were there. We shot the dig video on. Uh, was it the 4K at that point? Yeah, it was, I think it was 4K, 4K at that yeah, point. Yeah. I think it was the new one. Yeah. Well, it was the we we got a, we got the 6K after that, so it's not the newest newest. One. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's oh, they're okay. very similar. I mean, obviously, they're just uh, yeah, different. They, the they they're the same like dynamic range and everything. There's the sensor size is a little different, and then the resolution's different. The mount's different, but they're basically yeah. similar image, similar image quality, I guess I would say. Yeah. Well, the Jimmy World video was shot in the pockets too. Yeah. So, was yeah. it? it really? Was. Yeah. It oh, I didn't was. know that. Yeah. So, they've been working hard till right now. So, I just got some new lenses too, and I'm so like bummed I haven't gotten uh, to test them out too much yet. Right before we lost all our work, we spent a lot of money on I know. Uh, on <laughs> I had to get a computer, and I had to get lenses, and now I don't need any of this stuff. And now we're like, wow. We <laughs> now I need toilet paper. paper. And priorities <laughs> <Yeah>. have changed. <laughs> like, whoops. Yeah. Now we have no jobs, but it's okay. Yeah, so. I'm gonna pull those lenses out. Maybe shoot some video of this guy. Of the doggy. Oh yeah. <laughs> some some. And you said you fake anamorphic <laughs> slow mo of the dog. <laughs> like really, really over over. Uh, totally unnecessary high quality <laughs> video of this dog. Just <laughs> trotting along, sleeping. Yeah. Eating dust. Yeah. yeah. That's gonna be his video. <laughs> I want to see that. Did you say you have more interviews to uh, finish for Once in Future Smash? Oh, yeah, Future we have w- Once in Future Smash probably, like, ideally we'll have maybe 30 interviews in it. Yeah. And we've shot okay. three, I think. Yeah. We were actually looking at doing uh, a really big chunk of them at um, Texas Frightmare. Texas Frightmare, yeah. But then oh, obviously yeah. that didn't, that gonna, didn't that happen. That was going to be in May. Yeah, it was so. in May. Did you have tickets? No, we didn't actually book, book it because uh, we were waiting on seeing what the interview status was with everybody. So, you know, sort of thankfully we had not yet booked, but we were, um, Neil had gotten press passes to it. So we didn't have to book like tickets or anything because Neil, Neil oh, has okay. access to that. Um, but we have a whole nother, uh, we have all these other like side shoots for it. There's actually a whole bunch of other scenes um, of different characters. So there's another like, I don't know, 50 pages of stuff 
to shoot for it. Mm-hmm. But it's all it's none of it involves the two uh, guys who we the not, the two leads are, are done. Yeah. Michael Saint Michael Michaels. Michaels and Bill Whedon. Yeah, they're done. Um, and they I I talk to both those guys almost every day, and they're they're uh, they're hanging in there. But um, you know, I I feel bad. They're uh, I don't I don't like anything about this this illness going around for guys who are like close to 80 and they're pretty worried about it too. So, um, but they're both hanging in, they're both doing well. And I, I look forward to the day when I can, you know, go, go out to lunch with them again and hang out with them. I think, uh, yeah. Michael constantly gives me these downer things. He's like, you better get anything you need from me right now. Cause I'm, you know, I might not be around. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, stop, stop saying <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Positive. Attitude. So they're, they're both LA based. No, both Bill lives in New York. New York city. Okay. Uh, but Michael, but, Michael lives in Long Beach here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it regardless. Whenever yeah, it does come out. I, it's going to be a while now. Cause, yeah. uh, yeah. who, who even knows, but, uh, the, ed- we have oh, an we- editor working on the, the footage that we have. Um, so that's being cut. I imagine that might be done being cut, but, uh, not, not yet, but it might be done by the time we, before we're even shooting again, he, he probably will have it done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Who knows? Who can say at this point? It'll come out someday. It'll be a movie someday. Well, I'm looking forward yes. to it. At least we have clickbait, which that just came to Horror Pack a couple months yeah, ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on Blu-ray now. I saw, I saw that on eBay the other day, and I was like, I thought that was Horror Pack. So yeah, yeah, well, people, some of the people Horror Pack people sell their exclusives when they're like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, they they didn't actually watch it. They kind of oh, just yeah, skipped yeah, over funny. it. They, I mean, I, I yeah. you know. It's not going to be a movie for, for everyone, no matter what. Um, I'm yeah. not offended by that. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it, it was cool. It came out, uh, you know, on Blu-ray, which is always a treat because stuff doesn't always come out on Blu-ray at all. Like, a lot of the main distro, our main distributor, like, is not going to put it out on Blu-ray. Uh, we're waiting yeah. for them to put it out. That's a whole nother. I don't even think they will at this point. They've been talking about putting it on DVD, and that's been delayed. They might do just print-on-demand DVD. Mm-hmm. Everything is all in turmoil mm-hmm. right now. Well, the whole industry is collapsing, and yeah. it was collapsing before the pandemic, but now I think it's collapsing even worse, yeah. where there's just not a lot of money oh, to yeah. be made for anybody. So the yeah. distribution companies are like trying different stuff, but yeah, I don't think yeah. they've been. Did you end up putting uh, your film out through Terror? Uh, did they do the final release of the Pet, uh, the Pet Cemetery? Yeah, they did a like a DVD release, and then we sublicensed it to Synapse, and they put it out on Blu-ray with like. Okay. And they let oh, us do yes. like a new mix, and they because there were things we weren't we weren't right. happy about with the Terror Films version, so that was great right, to right. go back in and awesome, yeah. You know. And doing Synapse must have got a lot more people to I see it, so. too, right? Yeah, that's what the numbers show. I mean, so yeah, I, just, I, was, I know a lot of yeah. people that collect their stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I think cool. people don't. Uh, you're not even if a movie does really well on physical media. It's not moving the kind of numbers it would have moved, you know, five or ten or twenty years ago. Oh, yeah. So no matter what, unless you're getting like really, really big like red box deals or something, you know, you're not there's not large numbers selling. So getting anybody to put out uh, to do any kind of like series Blu-ray release or anything like that is it can be tough. That's why Horror Pack is great because it just like forces it on mm-hmm. all their yeah. subscribers. It's like, already sold. You know, they don't have to sell it. Now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for small no, that's totally true. Great. Yeah, so that was good. And, and Horror Pack is doing a general release of it as well. It's, I mean, maybe not anymore. Who knows? But uh, they were, uh, in addition to the limited edition version, they were going to do like a, a one that you could buy in stores. 
um, they they got the rights to do I think three years of uh, just general Blu-ray Blu-ray release mm. for That's the movie, cool. so which is cool, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Making movies, bad idea. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Any, anybody got anything else to add? Or no, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good. Do, do you want to like plug your Instagrams or anything? Sure. Michael and I can always be found by our names. So Sophia Castiola with C's. <laughs> Michael Castiola. J Epstein. And our Find company, yeah, we're on all the social media with those and our company launch over. So pretty much anywhere slash launch over slash Sophia Cassiola or slash Michael J. Epstein is us. Yeah. Cool. About John. Yeah, just my name. Media John Campo Piano on Instagram and Facebook and I'm around. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Fun. Good guys. to see you too. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we'll see you in a in a real life setting so. uh, again, again yeah. someday soon. Yeah, you know when when uh, maybe when Boston Underground is back or uh, that was something we had to cancel, which was a bummer. I mean they canceled uh, it and then we also canceled. We yeah, we <laughs> knew we weren't going. Yeah. We had a big trip to Boston planned. I know. So. We were very excited go every to go year to Boston that. Underground and see our family on the East Coast, and then no, we'll never see know. them again. I'm... No, we will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope you guys yeah, stay you safe. Too. All right, we're going to end it on the Jimmy World video that Mike and Sophia did. All it's right. called 555, nice. and you can check it out on YouTube now. Bye. Thanks for listening. See you all tomorrow for episode number four with Australian action star Vernon Wells.
Peace along the way. 